please be seated. Good morning to you. Good morning. That was a great song. And, you know, you, you hear a great song like that, and there's the part of most of us that can, that can join in with the sense of, look at what God has done or what he's doing. And my hope with the series that we've just started uh, last week is that we can experience more of that. Thank you for what I'm experiencing. Thank you that I'm experiencing more and more of these things. I, I share with the 9 o'clock hour um, that, you know, just the fact that you're here, there's a pretty good indication that if you're here, you're at least open to the idea that, that God might be real. But the truth is so much better than that. The, the truth is that God is not only real, but he wants his presence to be experienced by you. He, he wants you to be able to, as you're going through life, to go, I'm not going through this alone. And he's guiding me, sometimes even when I don't see. And his peace can be experienced, even if things are crazy all around. There's, there's this reality of God that is more than just, I could present a case before someone who disagrees that God is real. There's this reality of God where he can be guiding us and, and we can even walk with him. Laura and I and our family, we're, uh, we're in a season of that right now. Um, Laura calls me up on Friday, last Friday, and she calls up. She says, all right, this is going to seem like it's coming out of nowhere, but I really think that, that we should think about Emma going to a certain school, a, a, a private school this fall. And here's why this is like, okay, this seems like it's coming out of nowhere because we moved to the Moundsview School District because of the schools, you know? It's a great school district. Chippewa Middle School is where she'd go next year. We love Chippewa. Our church got started there. It's a great school. When, when students talk about their school, everyone says it's school, but, but there's, a, there's an excitement about Chippewa. So we purposely moved there. So that was number one. Number two, um, one of the other reasons it seems kind of crazy is right now we're trying to create more financial margin in our budget, more financial margin. Where can we cut expenses? You know, what can we cut back on? And sending one of your kids to private school is not a strategy that Dave Ramsey would endorse when it comes to, you know, his baby steps towards financial peace. So there's that. And then third, we're trying to simplify our lives. We're trying to create more margin in our lives and our schedules. And it's one thing to have two kids in the same district, right, who are in different schools. You, you, you talk about two schools that aren't aligned, and many of you can relate to that. So anyway, so she, this is why when she said, this seems like it's, you know, coming out of nowhere, um, it felt like it was coming out of nowhere. But here's why we want to walk this out. What if God whispered that in her ear? What if it was more than just, here's an idea. Let's just make a chart and put pros and cons and all that. What if, what if it was a whisper from God? So we want to walk it out. You know, one of the things that we do when we walk things out, it's called open door, closed door. Does God seem to be opening doors or closing doors? We want to do that, but we want to go even beyond that. Because if you walk with God long enough, you know that sometimes an open door, you know what a Christian should do with some open doors? Run the other direction. Because sometimes it's the enemy opening that door say, hey, come on over here. And sometimes you have to learn, is this a door I should go through or not? And so we want to walk this out to say, is this really a door we should go through? Or if a door is closed, how many of you know sometimes it's closed because the enemy is holding it shut? 
And whether it's praying for God to unlock it or whether it's knocking that thing down, sometimes a closed door is not something that should stop us. So, so we're trying to, we're in this season, we're in a season of trying to walk this out. And what I want to present to you today as we continue this walking with God's uh, teaching, today I want to focus on this idea of seasons. And what I want to present to you for your consideration is that there is no off-season when it comes to walking with God. Don't write that down, even though it sounded so profound and pithy and all that. We'll, we'll have you write it down later. Right now, just, just, just put that in the back of your head as we, as we begin to look at the scriptures here a little bit. And I just want to give you a quick overview. Th- this idea of walking with God, this is not something that, you know, we're just pulling out of nowhere. This is, if you go to the scriptures, you see the word walk and you see the word God. And you see this metaphor is there, especially in the Old Testament. Here's an example from Genesis 5 where Enoch walked faithfully with God. And then Genesis 6, 9, Noah walked faithfully with God. In Leviticus 26, God says, I will walk among you. I will be your God. Moving on to uh, some more examples. Joshua 22, love the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Isaiah 2, 3, he will teach us his ways that we may do what with it? Walk in his paths. And I love Micah 6, 8. I'd memorized it a different way as a as, a, as a, a young person, you know, he has showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So as you go in the Old Testament, you, you see that this idea of walking with God is a metaphor he's given us. He wants to walk with us as, as we go through life. Now, instead of pressing into one of these as we dig deeper today, I want to dig into a text that comes from the New Testament portion of our Bible. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to John 15. The, the language shifts a little bit here, but this is really about walking with God. The word abide is used, and it's used by Jesus himself. As we're turning here to John 15, if you do have your Bibles, I want to say a couple things. And the first one is I want to let you know that um, we always have a stack of Bibles that we keep here at the church, and they're for you if you don't have one. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free today. Don't have to let us know. They're there. I brought a new box of them today. I love the fact that we were running short on Bibles. I'm glad you're taking them. That is why they're there. Thank you for that. All right, so that's one thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is that what we're about to read right here uh, are the words of Jesus, and they're given to us by a guy who claimed to have been there. A man named John, he was, if you ever heard the language, 12 disciples. This was one of the original disciples. So here is a person who was an uh, eyewitness, an ear witness to these things that Jesus said. All right, so let's uh, look here, John 15. We're going to eventually get to 1 through 3, but I want to start with verse 4 as we introduce the, the language that Jesus uses to talk about walking with God. He says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So this language of abide is being used by Jesus. And as he uses it, he invokes a metaphor. There's lots of metaphors here. So hang with me as I try to unpack a lot of this. And then we'll get to application here. Jesus invokes the metaphor of a vine. And in ancient Jewish literature, including the Bible, the nation of Israel was sometimes portrayed as a vineyard or as a vine. In fact, in Psalm 80, verse 8 through 18, God talks about bringing a vine out of Egypt, meaning his people, and he planted it in the promised land. During the time of Jesus, there's also this enormous golden vine in the temple. 
So here in their own temple, they had this enormous golden vine to remind them we are God's people. He is the vine grower. He is the vine dresser. And we are his people. Well, in this passage, Jesus invites God's people. So as he talks about the vine, he's, he's grafting them into that. He invites God's people to abide in him. Now let's talk about this word abide. The Greek word that's translated here as abide in, in, uh, in my translation, it's a verb form of uh, a word that means dwelling place. Isn't that good imagery? This idea of abiding, it's a dwelling place. And so we're invited to this dwelling place. And again, that, that ties this rich imagery to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God promised, I'm going to dwell with those who keep my covenant. You keep my covenant, I will dwell with you. And here Jesus is even taking that, revealing more about that. And he's inviting us to, to not just walk with God, that he may dwell among us, disciples of Jesus. We're invited to abide in him. Abide in him. We're invited to live with the same centeredness that Christ had. We're invited to experience the constant awareness of God's presence that Christ had. We're invited to receive the kind of guidance that Christ received from his Father. And we're invited to have the same peace and confidence that Jesus had during trials. All right, let's continue reading with verse 5. It says here in verse 5, I am the vine, Jesus continues. You are the branches. Whoever abides, whoever dwells in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, now he expands on this thought a little bit, you can do what? Apart from him, you can do nothing. Now there's layers. I'm sorry there's so much. No, I'm not sorry there's so much here. I hope I can do a good job of unpacking some of this. There's so much here. There's a couple layers to this. A couple layers to this. And the first layer is the the super... Just read it for what it says on the surface, and that's true. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Earlier in his book, in fact, in chapter 1, John talks about the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he's referring to Jesus. And he says, I'll make sure I get the quote the way John gave it to us. John says this. He says, all things were made through the Word, through Christ. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So there is that, read it as you see it, kind of, Meaning here, apart from him, we could do nothing. Everything was created in and through him. So there's that part. But then there's a specific reference there too. There's this other layer. And if you go all the way back to our book of origins, to the book of Genesis, you, re- you find out that one of the reasons we were created was to bear fruit. Not just us, but all living things. I'd encourage you to go back and read Genesis 1 sometime. It talks about the fruit. They were, they were to, to, to bear good fruit. And the other layer here is Jesus saying, apart from me, you cannot bear any fruit that will really last. That'll really last. That, that you can do a lot of stuff. We all know that. Apart from Jesus, in fact, in opposition to Jesus, you can do a lot of stuff. But apart from him, that stuff, it's ultimately going to be meaningless or destructive or, or counterproductive. Apart from him, we won't bear this lasting fruit. You can get to the end of your one and only life, as we talked about last week, and you can realize you were just chasing the wind. And in contrast to chasing the wind, the Old Testament prophets, they envisioned a time when God's people would, quote, blossom and bring forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. All right, with that, let's backtrack a little bit to verses 1 through 3. And if this is feeling kind of all over the place, 
I'll do my best to bring it back, but let's just unpack this, kind of get it out there, and then let's apply it to our lives. So here's what it says in verses 1 through 3. I am the vine, Jesus says, and my Father, God, he's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he what? Prunes. And I put a Greek word there. Just kind of just look at it quickly. That he, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear what? More fruit. And he says, then there's this. And this is just, I almost left this off because I'm like, what is this? Ha-? Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken you. Well, it, in English, it looks like clean and prunes. Well, th- these are two different concepts. But look at the Greek word. And look at how similar those appear. So let's, let's, let's see if we can mine that a little bit. And let's start with, again, this idea of vines. Most of you are familiar, at least somewhat, with vines. They, every summer, I get in it with vines. Um, they pop up all over our backyard. And I've learned real quickly, if you leave a vine alone, there's usually a whole lot of pro- unproductive activity. Right? You leave a vine alone, all kinds of unproductive activity. They choke out other plants. They don't respect property lines. They reproduce other vines in sections of your yard where you don't want them to be. So there's that whole thing, right? Vines can be like that. And I've never tried to grow grapes, but I've been told that if you were trying to get your vines to produce quality grapes, the vines need your help. You create supports so they can grow the way they're supposed to grow and get up off the ground, and they need to be pruned. They need to be pruned. They need to have their unproductive branches cut off so that their energy can be properly channeled into fruit bearing. So what a vine dresser does then is just the surface reading of this. The vine dresser cuts stuff off that isn't productive so all the energy can get channeled where it it should go. That's the surface understanding of this. But then the deeper part has to do, I think, with these Greek words that John chooses. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be a linguist. You would see through that in a second. But according to biblical scholar N.T. Wright, John purposely chose an unusual Greek word for pruning here. The Greek word that you see on the screens, it was deliberately chosen in order to connect the metaphor of pruning to the metaphor of making clean. Why would John do that? We can only speculate, but here's a thought. The point may be that Christians are always in the process of becoming more Christian. That we become a Christian and we're becoming more like Christ. That our faith isn't just something we look back on and said there was a day. It was, it's a both and. It's a both and. We're made clean and we're constantly being pruned. Those who receive Christ, meaning they trust him as their savior, they yield him to him as their king. They're clean. They've crossed from death to life. Their sins are washed away. Though they were as scarlet, they're made white as snow, as we just sang from the scriptures there. They, they, they've been adopted as his sons, as his daughters. They're reconciled with God. They're inheritors of eternal life. You've been made clean. And, and, God isn't finished with you yet. Even those who are clean still need and benefit from ongoing pruning. And you see that in Jesus' original disciples. Look at their lives. They had, they had left everything to follow Jesus, but God wasn't done with them yet. Look at all the discoveries. Look at all the seasons they walked through with him. 
They were going to walk through seasons that would require great courage and sacrifice. They would walk through seasons um, where, where God would shatter their assumptions about the kingdom of God and what kind of people God welcomed in. They would walk with God through seasons that required trusting Christ, even through painful pruning. All right, let's continue. Back to our text, John fifteen six. Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, as you read in the scriptures, you're going to see a dynamic in place. You'll see a whole bunch of dynamics in place. One of them you see, it's almost, this is my metaphor, not God's. It's, it's almost a carrot and a stick thing. And, and we misrepresent God if we don't look at both of them and, and see both of them. There, there's a, and in this case, there's a great looking carrot here. There's an invitation. My presence can be in you, not just among you. I can guide you. I can lead you. I can give you strength. I can help you bear fruit that will last. There's the carrot. Here's the scary looking stick. It's a scary one. It uses the imagery of fire. Now, there's all kinds of fire. We're going to hit this again in two weeks. Fire can also be something that refines us and purifies us. But fire is also a common Jewish metaphor for divine judgment. And it appears to be the, the, the imagery that's invoked here. The verse on the screen that echoes the Old Testament teaching and passages like Ezekiel 15, 1 through 8, where a vine that fails to produce fruit, it's said to be good for nothing but the fire. And I'm glad I'm not God because you know what happens to my vines, all of them? They end up in the fire pit. As are my vines, all end up. But with God, you've got, this, you've got this both and where he gives the invitation and then he says, okay, just so you know, there's consequences for disobedience. There's consequences for rebellion. There's consequences for this. But then look where he brings it back again. Brings it back to the invitation. Picking up with verse seven. If, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Do it. You can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, there's a whole another teaching we could go off on this. Of what does that mean? We can ask whatever we want, and how does that connect to abiding? Don't have time to get into that. But there's an invitation here to powered, filled prayers, to a centering connection with God, to peace in the midst of trials to a life where even if it doesn't seem like it, we can trust that we're having a lasting impact, that God's not going to let anything be wasted. Anything wasted. And that sounds good. So let's try to look at what this looks like in real life. And what I want to do is I want to start with some principles. And I type them up in your, in your notes inside your thick bulletin taco today. It's the, it's the green sheet. And it, where it says, Walking with God... Here are some just basic principles that are true of walking with God. One of them is to be reconciled with the Father. And, and that is, again, it's a yes, it's a now and an and a ongoing thing. Um, that's where, where you, you've come to God and you've asked for his forgiveness and you've turned your life over to him and you've been made clean, you've been forgiven. But there's also that ongoing reconciliation too, right? There's the, okay, I've been walking astray. Oh, let me come back. Which is one of the reasons why I think Sunday mornings are so important you know, to, to come back at least once a week, surround with other people. Oh, this is, this is what life is about. And to get, get back in touch. 
And to get back on that idea of repentance, coming back. All right, so there's walking with God is reconciled. It's also you're guided by God's word. You know, we, we, we try to be very intentional about things we do, and we try to have our Bible open each week to this Psalm 119, 105. Your word, it's a lamp unto like, your feet. It's a light unto your path. As you walk with him, he's going to guide you through his words. Another you know, principle, characteristic of disciples, praying and listening throughout the day. Not just going to him in times of perceived need, but to, to go through life with more of an awareness of listening to him and what might he be saying and just being thankful for, for the things he's done. And then this idea of retreating to advance, getting away. For some of you, the idea of getting away with, with the women like you're going to be doing here in a couple weeks, that, that's what I need. I need to be filled like that. You can also just get away by yourself. Jesus did that. Didn't cost any money. He just got away. And this is more than a vacation. This is a centering idea of, of retreat, of getting away from everything else so you can be focused on God and, and filled back up. Here's some more. Choosing integrity. I love that word. Integrity is more than just I'm trying to do like a goody-goody thing. It, it, in fact, it really isn't that. Integrity means it's together. It's united. If something has structural integrity, it's held together. It's strong. It's not broken and cracked. And so this idea of choosing integrity, I'm going to choose to live with consistency. I don't have a different set of principles that I live by at work or at school or with this group of friends. As best as I can with God's help, I'm, I'm consistent. I have integrity. I, I don't have a different displaced, broken up kind of life. Another aspect of walking with God, another characteristic of what it looks like, serving your brothers and sisters in Christ. That is specifically singled out in the scriptures, along with the idea of reaching out to the lost and hurting. Again, it's a both and. Should we reach out to the lost and hurting? Yes. Should we serve our Christian brothers and sisters as Jesus demonstrated by the washing of the feet? Yes. So it's a both and. The idea of giving proportionately, sacrificially, that's in there. And let's go four more. There's this idea of working unto the Lord. The scriptures, Colossians 3.23 used to be one of my life verses. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as serving the Lord, not human masters. This idea of giving your best effort. And even if you don't like your boss, it's not about that. God is your boss. So how can you serve and be a great example at work? If you are the boss, how do you help God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as is in heaven? How do you treat all of your employees with dignity and respect and create a culture that is positive and uplifting and contributing in a positive way to our world? You know, this idea of working unto the Lord. You can do that as a student, right? Working unto the Lord. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. Okay. Observing the Sabbath, taking that rest. One day in seven to have a day off. The next one, pursuing richer, more meaningful connection with other Christians. This is one we have to remind ourselves of as Americans because Americans, it's so individualistic. It's all about us. When we go to the restaurant, we don't get the same food for everybody, rarely. We often get what we want the exact way we want it, Right? And the imagery here is so corporate. It's the vine, right? He's tapping this image of the vine. It's you're connected with these other people. And so are we connected, meaningful connection with other Christians, not only with God. And then this idea of discipling others. You could make a case that that's the number one most fruitful thing the scriptures attest to. 
it points us to that idea of, of pouring into others. All right. It took me a long time just to get through that list. And I'll just be honest with you. I try to always be honest with you, but let me just be vulnerable here or whatever. I look at this list and I kind of summarize it here. And there's times you look at that list and you go, how am I going to do that? I know I need that. I know I should do that. How am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? So with the last couple minutes we have left here, let's address that question head on. You can even write it down. I put it in your notes. Let's just straight up address it. How, how do I, how do I experience a deeper, more transformative walk with God when I'm already having trouble keeping up with the pace of life? How do I do this? How do I do this when I'm a student and I've got tests and I got homework and I got all this stuff when I'm in that season, how can I possibly add these 12 things to my schedule or just buy a house. Let's say you just bought a house and you're in a season where now your to-do list grows faster than your to-done list, right? How do I add all this to that? Or you just got married. You just got married. Great. Now, my life is not my own because I'm now I'm married. So it used to be I could say I want to go do that retreat. Well, maybe now it doesn't work because of family schedules. So how do I do this in a season where my schedule is not my own? Speaking of which, if you've got kids, especially young ones, you might be thinking, how can I do this? How, how can I, when a, I'm in a season where my life is so unpredictable, how can I possibly add these 12 things? Or work. This one applies to so many people in here. You might be thinking, my job, it is so demanding. I'm in a season where I'm already working 60 hours a week. How do I possibly do these things? Well, because I've been wrestling with these things this week, I'm having a paradigm shift. In fact, so much so that I usually send the people who make the slides my notes on Thursday. And I had to, I sent them on Thursday, and on, by, you know, Friday, I'm switching it to what's in your notes here. I, we changed some things up. I, I want to present this paradigm to you, and I'd encourage you to write this down, and let's take a look and see if, see if this seems good to the Spirit in us. Christian discipleship, I would present to you, properly applied, applied has no off-season. Let's just start there. Christian discipleship, properly applied, has no off-season. Now, in sports, you need an off-season. Why? Why do you need an off-season in sports, especially the ones that are really physically demanding? Why do you need an off-season? To recover. If you don't have an off-season, you're done. Your body needs to rest. Your body needs to heal. Your body needs to recover. All right, students, how many students we got here? Students, all right. Students, if every week was finals week, would you need an off-season from that? Yes. What would happen if you didn't have an off-season from finals week? You would explode. You would die. Someone said the last hour, I would die. You probably would. You know, you probably would. You'd explode. You'd die. I mean, I remember after finals week, I just, my brain was tired. My brain was tired. You need an off season. And teachers, how many teachers we got? Imagine if every, every season was conferences. How many of you need, you would need an off season from conferences, right? Or you'd just be done. You know, in anything, we need these off seasons. I want to present to you, Christianity is different. You don't need, and you can write this down. Here's one of the things that just, this is fresh off of Friday. You don't need an off season. With God. This isn't about 
This isn't about adding more things to your life. With the exception possibly of this, if you're not reading the scriptures, that's an ad. For the most part, this is not about adding things. It's not about that. You don't need an off-season. This, unless it's you're, you're not doing anything to recover. This, this is a way of life. We looked at a past teaching on this. It's a yoke, Jesus says. And his yoke is light. It, there's a replenishment that is a part of this rhythm, this way of doing life. This, this is about integrating your life rather than segmenting it. It's not about, okay, I'm doing life and it's full and I've got no time and now I've got to add the Christian stuff. It's not like that. It's, I've got one life and I'm trying to integrate it all into a way, a walk, a path. It's, it's about developing a new focus, a new rhythm, one that includes, it's built right in, the replenishment, the rest. If, if, if you're walking in this way and you're connecting with other believers and they know you and you know them and you're at a place where you can speak into each other, they can look you in the eye and say, you're running too fast. Let's help with that. And they can help with the actually building in of this idea of rest and replenishment. So you don't need an off-season from walking with God, but more importantly, and here was my, I call them my BFOs, blinding flashes of the obvious. This was my BFO of the week. You don't, you don't just, you won't need an off-season, but you don't want an off-season. Let that sink in for just a moment. You don't want an off-season from walking especially when life is crazy. Radio control people with airplanes, crazy stressful, right? They better be attuned to what's going on. They better have laser-like focus. If you're working an assembly line with big machines that are ka-chunking and all that kind of stuff, right? And they speed that thing up, do you want to just get lazier and uh, I don't need to pay attention to safety regulations now, right? No, you better be more attentive. In what season would you not want to walk with God as a student? You know, well, you know, when, when life slows down, I, I'll, I'll be more attentive to God. Why would you not want to walk with God as a student? With all the things and the choices that you're facing? With all of the lies that sometimes you're being taught? Why would you not want to be acutely aware of God's presence and guidance? Or if you're thinking, I, you know, I've got this you know, new babies coming into the house and it's so crazy. <laughs> why, why would you not want to walk with God through that season? To be listening to those whispers of, hey, this is more than a fever. Or that whisper of this is an opportunity for you right now to learn how to serve like no other season you've ever had before. You could really get refined through the fire on this one. You could learn how to serve, how to love something that right now isn't loving you back. Right? With work. Why would you not want to be in a season constantly where you're asking wisdom, okay, God, what do I do? What choice do I make? 
How do I speak into this decision wisely? How do I treat my employees right now when, when our income's coming down and expenses are going up? God, what would you have me to do? Or I've got a boss that is just so demanding. God, is this a job you would have me to stay in? Or is this one where I should be transitioning out? Why would you not want to walk with God? That's a thought I, I hope that is impressed deep upon you. Because there's a God who, and these are, I'm just quoting the scriptures here. There's a God who knit you together. The scripture says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's workmanship. You were created in Christ to do good works, which he planned in advance for you to do. You don't want to spend your one and only life chasing the wind. You don't want to spend your one and only life disconnected from the one who wants to walk with you through it and be with you in it and anchor you in those storms. You don't want to spend your one and only life chasing the wind or asking God to bless an agenda that isn't his to begin with. You don't want to resemble vines like the ones in my yard that, that put all kinds of energy into things that may look like progress to you, but from God's vantage point, it looks like meaningless, possibly even destructive activity. You want, here I am telling you what you want, <laughs> but I believe you want. The deepest parts of you wants to experience more of God's presence. You want more of God's guidance. You want more of his power in the season that you're in right now. And all of these can and, and, and should be in play. But before we actually then try to say, what would that look like? Let me just put this out there. Your walk with God will not look identical to mine. It won't or the person sitting next to you. They're gonna, it, we're going to have all these things in play, but our walk is not going to be the same. It, Christianity, the Christian walk, is not like a line dance. I would, I would show you one, but I, I, I can't do any of them, right? But it, because that's in a line dance, everyone does the same thing at the same time, at least they're supposed to, or they get shown on YouTube, right? You're, you're, you're supposed to, in a line dance, do everything at the same time, in the same way. That's a line dance. Christianity is not a line dance. It's not the electric slide, you know. It's more like jazz. It's going to look slightly different. Same principles in play, but it's going to like look slightly different. So let's now get very, very practical. Inside your, your notes, inside your notes, there should be a yellow sheet. Why don't you pull that out? Let's just, we're going to try this. We have a little small group exercise here for a couple minutes where you're going to, you're going to help with this, all right? I, I'm going to want your feedback. Um, imagine there's a grid, and on the top of the grid, we have these 12 things. Reconcile didn't make the cut here this time, but imagine we have all 12 of these going across the top. Things that should be in play for all of us. But then imagine going down the other side, there's different categories based on the season that you're in. Maybe you're in that season of, I've got a really demanding job. Maybe you're in the season of, I'm looking for a job. Maybe you're in the season of, I've got little kids at home. Maybe you're in the season of empty nest. Maybe you're in the season of, of I'm a full-time student. Everyone's got different seasons. Let's talk about what these things could look like in these different seasons, all right? So let's, let's start with this one, with Bible. And let's, let's just try this. Maybe we could do it by saying, if you, do you have an idea of what this could look like um, in a season theoretically, or even better yet, what's something that you've tried in a season and you thought, you know, this worked for me when it came to getting into the Bible? 
Wouldn't someone want to try try that a little bit? Does it make clear what I'm asking? Semi-clear? Semi-clear. Would it help to give an example? All right, example. I'll be the plant in the audience. Ooh, pick me. Pick me. Yes, you in the front row. Um, do we know each Okay, so when I was a student, when I was a student, um, high school, when I was first getting serious about my faith, there was something in me that told me I need to learn this Bible. And so I started reading it. And for me, what worked was before bed. Because I would go to bed every day, right? I'd go to bed every day. And, and in a big family, in a, in a busy life, that was the time where I realized I could build that in. Was I perfect on that? No, no. This isn't legalistic. This isn't God's going to strike you down if you miss a day. You can skip a breath for a period of time and be okay. You can skip meals for a period of time and be okay. But eventually, it's going to catch up with you. So for me, it was at night. How about you? What's something that maybe has worked for you? Thank you. Thank you. That's a great idea because then you've got a couple things going. You've got a time and you've got a memory cue. You have something reminding you. Open Bible. There we go. Thank you. How about something? Yeah. Yes, you can do all kinds. What, which app do you, can I ask, what, which one you use? U version. Covenant Church came up with that one. One of the Covenant Churches. Craig Rochelle, good man. His team. They, yeah, they, you, you have a Bible. It, it sends you reminders. It's, it's with you all the time. Someone was saying, you know what? For me, commute. I'm in a season of life right now where I'm in my car driving to work. So for them, they, they have like Bibles on CDs or a tape. So they're, it, it's, it's working with their life instead of trying to just fit something in. All right, let's, let's try, um, let's try serving, try serving. Think of a different season of life that you were in or in serving your, this one specifically serving your Christian brothers and sisters. Think of a season of life you were in or in now. What, what was a way that worked or a way that you think could work in a season of life? How, how could you serve your Christian brothers and sisters? season that you're in. Yes, thanks, Gabby. There you go. Yes, it's built right into your rhythm. We will provide you with an opportunity every Sunday, you know, or every other Sunday or once a month. Absolutely. Make it part of your rhythm. You're here. When we get done, we don't own this building, you know? So it could be as simple as, you know what, can I help with recycling the bulletins. Can I help once a week, once a month or once or whatever with the, the kids? Yeah, absolutely. So finding something that's built right into that rhythm. All right. You want to add another one? Yeah. Yes. Host or lead a small group. See these things, this re- you're not just adding, Oh, I got to do my serving thing and I have to do my connecting thing. It can be both. And I'm opening up my house and by doing so I'm serving or I'm helping to lead and, By doing so, I'm serving. And that's going to probably get you into your Bible. I mean, it's not like I have to have four different programs. It's just all these things are good. How can they work? All right. Let's try. Let's try Sabbath. Sabbath. How could you make a Sabbath work? Or what are some things that you've tried in a season? Because I really could use some ideas on this one. (laughs) Say no. Can you say more about that? That is huge. Yes, go ahead. Or do you want me to say? Yeah, because that's huge. 
Ja. Absolutely. Ja, and you can just open up the Bible and say, God will kill me if I don't, because it says, this is the penalty for not keeping the Sabbath, right? You know, saying no. You, we need to learn that, to say no. You know, just no, no, no appointments or no whatever. Yeah? Anyone want to add anything else? Sabbath, what could be another? Yeah. All right. So here's, here's how you do it, everybody. What are you going to try? It, it is. Yeah. You guys can't move back to where San Diego is. That where you, no, no going back. We need you guys to be around here. Um, yeah. Beautiful. It's when you look at the scriptures too, there's all of this great stuff where the Hebrew day started at night. So the start of your day was, you know, have some food and, and, and conversations. And then you start your day with, Start your day with rest. Start your week with rest. And to be able to trust God, to say, God, I'm going to trust that I can do more in six than, you know, than with you than I could in seven without you. And yeah, exactly. Just rest. Yeah. And then another thing, too, the, the part that's on us that I'm trying to work on is say, okay, is it a, am I managing my life well? Because so, one of the big Sabbath things they used to do in Jewish culture was let's make sure everything's done. You got to make sure the day of preparation, make sure it's all done so that you can punch out. So you can punch out. All right? Very, very good. Um, let's try this one more. Connecting. You know, actually, I want to try two more. So I remind myself. Let's do reaching out and connecting. Let's start with connecting. What, what would be a way with a season that you're in? What would be a way to connect? Connect with other believers. Season that you're in now or a season that you've been in where you're like, oh, this was so helpful for me then. Yeah. Join in a small group. Absolutely. That's amazing. We got 20 groups. It's crazy. And for a lot of people, they found, you know, connecting with people sometimes that are in the stage I'm going through. You know, looking at a lot of schools. If you're a student, a lot of schools have a lot of different groups right there on campus. Some people are like, I want to be stretched by people who aren't in the same life stage as me. Because a lot of times that's where discipling can happen too, right? You're in a group. You're pouring into younger folks. All right, how about reaching out? Let's just hit this one one more time. Because a lot of times, at least if, you, if you've been around a lot of churches, a lot of times it, it's, it's almost like to, to do outreach, you have to leave the state or you have to leave the country or you have to be a part of a group that goes down to a certain spot, you know, to, to witness. What, what could reaching out look like just in a season that you're at? Or a... What's that? Packing somebody's groceries. Absolutely. Helping out. Yeah, holding a door. Yeah. What are some others? Inviting. Inviting other people. So here's, here's your assignment, should you choose to accept it. There, the last little row I have down there, what's the heading on that one? You. I would encourage you today to either with, by yourself or maybe with somebody else, maybe as a, as a family or with friends, talk through this. What could ongoing reconciliation look like in my life? What could help me remind myself in the flow of life 
where have I gotten off track? How do I get back on track? Scripture, prayer, and listening. What could that look like in your life, in the season that you're in right now? Well, as we bring this teaching to a close for today, remember that the metaphor that God gave us is a walk in this instance. He gave us this metaphor of a walk. Um, As someone who struggles with patience and pacing, I, I found this thought from Tim Keller to be an important reminder. Here's our closing quote for today. This is good stuff. Walking. Walking is something non-dramatic, rhythmic. It consists of steady, repeated actions that you can keep up in a sustained way for a long time. There are many people who think of spiritual growth as something like a high dive. They say, I'm going to give my whole life to the Lord. I'm going to change all these terrible habits. I'm really going to transform. Well, that's not what a walk is. A walk is a day in and day out praying, day in and day out Bible reading, day in and day out obeying, talking to Christian friends, going to corporate worship, committing yourself to and fully participating in the life of a church. It's rhythmic. It's on and on. To walk with God, it's a metaphor symbolized by slow and steady progress. No two paths are identical, and yet none of the things the Bible calls disciples to can be ignored. Isn't that good? That's a good reminder. You know, that's just how life works. You know, we, we might be thinking, wow, I didn't have any fireworks today as I read a little piece of the Bible. I went away, got away, and I was praying, and I, I didn't, you know, see a vision or anything like that. The cumulative effect of this makes a huge difference. It's not all that akin. I didn't write this one down, so here's a bonus little image. It's, it's not, we just, at our family, we just got yesterday, um, just took down our Christmas decorations. It's been a crazy uh, couple weeks. But we just got to put it, taking down our Christmas decorations. And you take that first bulb off that tree, and you go, this is never going to happen, you know? And, and then you get them boxed up. And my box, my job, one of my jobs is getting all the boxes to the shed. And it's amazing how many boxes of Christmas decorations we've got. That's a whole other thing, right? And, and so how do you get them to the shed? One box at a time. And it may not seem, you take that one box, you're like, the you know, breezeway still full of boxes. One box at a time. One ornament at a time. And our house is now de-Christmased. It can happen. It adds up over time. Don't underestimate how far you can get one step at a time if God is in those steps. All right? Well, let's close in, in prayer. Please stand as we, we go our separate ways here today. And let's pray that God's going to bless our walk as we go forth in this place. Father, thank you that you have a... You desire to bless our walk. You desire to guide our paths. You desire to make them straight. You desire to abide in us. Lord, how foolish we are to refuse that invitation. How foolish we are to say, I don't need you during this season. Or I can't schedule you in in this season. Father, would you bless us with new ways of thinking, if this is new, or just the reminder, if this just a reminder was all that was needed. Would you bless us with this way of thinking that, that why would we ever not want to walk with you through any season? Bless us with that mindset in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.